And we are live yet again with another episode of Comic Talk. Sorry we are late, and uh, I don't even know who's out there talking, but really, what's really important is who's talking here. Uh, I am your host, Demetra Pereira, host of Comic Talk, but I'm not important. What's important is the two people right underneath me. We, uh, to the left, we got producer Gil Barron. Gil, how you doing today? I'm doing great. No more doubling up of audio. I feel good. Uh, everything is super cool. Uh, just got to read a lot of comics uh, today, and I got so much to plug, as always. Uh, yeah. Let me know yeah. when you want me to hear about my shows. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to your plugs, Gil, and I'm also looking forward to your thoughts about the weekly comics. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, first time here on Comic Talk, but uh, uh, Justin, you've been on some of our other shows before. We got Justin Mousseau. Justin, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me, Dimitri. I am, uh, as always, very excited to talk about comics and uh, especially the the comics that have you know just recently come out and uh, about what is like coming down the pipeline, comics wise too. Yeah. Um. Am I getting a? Oh, okay. No, I wasn't sure if that was me or. Okay. Um, I was like, Justin, uh, Justin's like, I'm going to repeat myself. You know? Yeah. Be <laughs> I was like, oh, who's that? Is that? Uh, I was going to say, I was going to say, Justin, you like talking about comics so much. You're like, I don't care what asshole yeah. invites me on the show. <laughs> no? uh, it's like, I will talk comics with anybody. I'm that deprived. Uh, I feel like weekly comics is its own thing, though, right? Like, Oh, oh for like, sure. Like, it's its own culture, because to be able to, like, read them on Tuesdays, well, now Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it used to just be Wednesdays, uh, uh, you know, it's its own thing, because there's people who, who just read the trade paperbacks like I used to, and, uh, you know, that's good enough for them, and that's great, uh, but people who like to keep up, you know, uh, yeah, uh, that's like a whole different thing. Yeah, uh, a good breed, one could say, or a bad breed, I'm not quite sure. I've yet to figure that one. I, out. I, I think I think just like a a voracious breed because of the fact that it's like, you know, like there there are on a on a casual week, there are, you know, dozens of new comics that come out from every publisher, and so you know when when you're when you're trying to keep up with everything, it can be a bit daunting. But you know that's. You know, I I know I myself have had to narrow my focus on newer comics as they come out because otherwise I end up you know buying fifty new comics a week and that's just untenable. Right. Um. Sorry, I just this was the worst time for me to choose to eat a chimichanga. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> Gil, what do you think? Um. I just love comics so much. I can't wait to read them. So, mm -hmm. you know, and also I don't want to be too precious about them, right? Like when it turns into trades and, you know, the trade ends up having to be like this whole epic story. And if I buy it, like, I don't know, it's almost like seeing the movie of that character, right? And, mm -hmm. I, and I'm speaking as a guy with an entire, you know, bookshelf uh, of the DC universe in story order. <laughs> stupidly for whatever reason um you know the entire dc universe in story order so like everything has its own <coughs> sorry uh its own set of importance so i don't know i feel like reading it weekly 
it's it, it becomes less important in a good way it becomes less necessary for me to buy every single trade which is nice <laughs> yeah sure yeah 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 um th this actually brings up a quick uh a good question before we like get started in uh what came out this week is like uh first things first do you guys have like trade paperbacks on your shelf like lined up or whatever and then how do you guys have it organized oh let me go uh, i'll i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll, I mean, I don't have, I, I have my fair share of my trades lined up on, on my bookshelves. Uh, but I, I don't, honestly, I don't really have them in any particular order. They're just like the ones I enjoy because I also do tend to buy my comics issue to issue. Um, and so those, what trade paperbacks I have are runs that are near and dear to me. Uh, that I want to be able to, you know, reach for so I can sit down and binge read the entire thing in one sitting instead of having to go hunting through my long boxes for, you know, the order for like to haul out the stack of like, okay, I'm going to get through these 60 issues and this one go. It's like I could do that or I can grab the like four trade paperbacks that I have right here and just sit with those. So ease, ease of access is really what I have them there and not not in any particular order. Yeah. Mine oh. are in a very specific order. <laughs> it's 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 dumb. It's um, <clears throat> my trades are in story chronological order, which lends to the fantasy that one day when I'm retired, <laughs> when I'm literally nothing else going on, I will one day read the entire DC universe from front to back. Why? Why is that a fantasy of mine? I do not know. <laughs> it's probably a stupid idea. I also, have, but it's the same thing with my Marvel trades. I just only have like one shelf of Marvel trades. I have like, I think four shelves of DC trades. Hmm. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, the first in story chronological order, it starts right now at Wonder Woman, the true Amazon. Mm hmm which I believe is the earliest chronologically that any DC story takes place. And it looks like it ends with Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes volume two so far. I don't have a lot of Legion stuff. If I had more Legion stuff, yeah. I'm sure that wouldn't be the latest. Legion. I've, I've only, I've only just recently come around to starting to read Legion stuff and relatively recent Legion, Legion stuff too. I think it was, uh, like like some of the, like the recent Bendis run, uh, but I do also have uh, at least digitally uh, one of the collections of uh, the like first, uh, not, not the first, but like the run from the eighties. I'm trying to remember sure, exactly yeah. which one, yeah, yeah. but Paul Paul Levitz, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm not a huge Legion fan either. I just uh, I happen to have this trade. However, I got it. I don't even know, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I tried to read Bendis' run, and it just wasn't super accessible to me as a non-Legion fan. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just... I think the, the team is just too big, and the characters are not distinctive enough. Yeah, right. It's, it's interesting because I feel that... I feel like the, the, op, that the opposite of that is uh, Kieran Gillen's current run on The Eternals, in oh. which... It is a massive, 
like roster of characters. Yeah. But he also does a good job of centralizing it on just like a handful each issue. And they're all so we're distinct. Only on like issue three? Yeah, the, the, I think issue four just came out today. Okay. I haven't I haven't read I haven't read it yet, but I, I, it's in my like auto subscription. But um, yeah, I, I issue four came out today. But yeah, the first three I've read the first three issues and I've really enjoyed it. Um, my only other exposure to the Eternals, you know, b- before the movie was announced, um, was the Neil Gaiman run from the uh, like mid to early two thousands. Yeah. Um, which was which I loved. I really liked this this kind of mythology of they're these like dormant, like almost like sleeper cell heroes that don't remember that they're superheroes and they're kind of reawakening as the world is heading towards this potential crisis. Mm. Um, and it's it's interesting. And like in like in, in in the new run, it's a murder mystery where you know as like you know their name suggests, they are eternal. Uh, in part, in part of it is because they are just naturally long lived, but also because if they die, they can be reborn thanks to this like great matrix that kind of like oversees all the Eternals on Earth. Um, but somebody has now like killed the leader of the Eternals and has sabotaged the machinery so that they can't be brought back if they die until it gets fixed. Um, and so it's 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 trying to figure out who could have done this and why and stop them before too many more Eternals are wiped out. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to get to the weekly comic stuff, but I I always wonder when it comes to Eternals, do we need the Eternals? Does the comic book landscape need the Eternals? It it absolutely doesn't. Um, okay. And, okay. And like, I'm and like, glad. Very I can, easy now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like like I can unabashedly say that if it were anyone other than Kieran Gillen writing it, I probably wouldn't have picked up the comic in the first place because I, there's there's so many super teams and especially at this point with like where the focus has shifted, like the Eternals are a cool concept. But it's that thing where it was it was very much Jack Kirby hedging his bets and creating the same thing in two different ways. And the new gods right. are just way more interesting than the Eternals are. Yeah, um, yeah. What do you think it is that makes the new gods so much more I think honestly, I think what it is is that better term. I, I think I think in part what it is is that Darkseid is just such a good villain and to kind of have this this shared world kind of thing and this have having to like like especially like recent years of looking at like the uh the mr miracle series by tom king of right. like him being more it's been it's been interesting seeing like mr miracle has become like the sort of face of the new gods and because he's so humanized unlike i think and i think that's kind of like a big difference is that like the eternals are treated very much like the asgardians where they're like othered and separate from humanity and like view us as like being like short-lived and like very much treat themselves as gods as they are also named after greek gods because apparently canonically they inspired the myths of the greeks because they existed yeah um, yeah but there are still greek gods in yes Marvel. but there are also still there's also still greek a greek pantheon that has nothing to do with the eternals um yeah. and uh but yeah I, I think it's i think it's just that the new gods are like way more human than 
the Eternals are, and that's why there there's a better appeal to them and a more accessibility that you can like be like, oh yeah, I totally get what, what why this would happen, why why these characters would make these choices. And I, I that's an interesting way to put it because I don't I don't know that I would use the word more human. I think that they are more operatic. Than yeah, the Eternals. I think that there's such a a simplicity to the idea of there's two planets good and evil and at mm -hmm. some point in the near past or the distant past i guess they traded sons that yeah. was their, their peace treaty was they traded sons so you have orion who grows up on new genesis and has to um and has to uh learn to control his apocalyptic rage and you have uh scott free who grows up on apocalypse as a slave and like mm -hmm. that's just so operatic in both of these things so it's like this idea of these two brothers and they're destined to grow up and destroy dark side and there's just yeah it's it's everything it's, about yeah, it that's that's so operatic that's, and big and great you're right i think honestly yeah that that is the thing is that the new gods are just a cool space opera and there's a lot of interesting directions you can go with both that in and of itself but also the characters are cool enough to plug them into different places and the eternals are like have to it, like it has to you can't you can as we've seen you can pluck orion or mr miracle out of the new gods and put them into justice league stories and it works great because they're cool and interesting foils but you can't really pull one of the Eternals into an Avengers story because it's it's sort of that sort of that thing of like, well, there's already at least one god on the team. They're redundant. We, yeah, it's they're super redundant. And I think that's yeah. that's it's also it's even like it's even like why like again like this this Eternals run isn't really them so far at least dealing with the outside world. It's it's a super contained, it's only within themselves because by their very nature in a world with superpowered individuals, mutants and inhumans and eternals, it really gets super redundant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to move into the weekly comics. I, I have faith that the Eternals will be a good movie, but I won't be completely let down if they aren't a good movie because you could just strike them. You could just like, keep them hidden from continuity yeah it's the thing is of course it will be a good movie and that's what i'm so mad about like <laughs> i just want to live my life not caring about the eternals and right. what i'm really annoyed about is that by next year i'm gonna want a fucking icarus action figure and i don't right. want that i don't <laughs> want, to want an icarus action figure i don't i don't want to make room in my heart to care about another 12 or so characters in the already very full MCU roster characters that right. I already care about. It's like right. how I felt when Harry Potter became a thing. Mm. Uh, like, my just feeling was like, you know what, I don't really have space for another universe in my head. Like, I know too much about too many different universes, and I'm just gonna let, I'm just gonna sit this one out. And mm -hmm. in the end, I feel like my decision was justified. Probably in the long term, yeah. I think you you came out on top on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so for everybody you know who, who's listening or whatever, DC Comics comes out on Tuesdays. 
and Marvel comics come out on Wednesdays. So, uh, you know, depending on how you get your comics, uh, uh, you may have read mostly DC on Tuesdays and then now, you know, Marvel. Um, but uh, uh, what? Uh, l- let's start off with some DC, shall we? Um, what did you guys read from DC that came out this week? Uh, we can go. We can go title by title. I got little images queued up. Um, so depending on what we talk about, um, but I know um, like Justice League, Flash, Nightwing, um, Catwoman came out. Um, Batman Fortnite. I read that issue. Do any of you guys play Fortnite? No, I tried. We're gonna start and... off talking Batman <laughs> Fortnite. I, absolutely, please, please do because I. I, God help me! I tried. I've tried a couple times to play Fortnite, and there is just something about the just the basic mechanics of the way the game is played that I cannot do. It's like it's like I it throw throw me into like a shooter. Okay, fine. If you want to like throw me into like a survival crafting like game, okay, I can I can I can make but it's do both. With that. But it's both at the same time, and if you don't build a house fast enough, someone's gonna fucking snipe you. And it's like uh, which that's, happens all the time yeah, to me. And and I'm like, and I'm like, I don't need that kind of pressure. I I don't need to figure out which like wheel cycle on my buttons is going to get me the to the build command before a 12 year old comes up behind me with a shotgun that they managed to spawn near and kill me for whatever frying right. pan I have found. Yeah, I I play Fortnite, and I play it as a shooter, not a builder, and there is easily people so much better than me because they know how to build and you Mm -hmm. shoot and you like you, you shoot someone and the first hit hits them. Suddenly there's a, there's a five-star hotel around them. Like they build (laughs) it so fast. And there's these like seven year olds that are building forts. And it's like, what? Like, and I'm just like, I'm just going to be stubborn. and I'm going to just try to shoot through the, (laughs) the building and to get to them. By that point, they're above me and they shot me in the head. Great. You know, um, this, this, but what's cool about it is like the unlockable skins that, uh, that, that you can get that don't affect gameplay. It's just about whether you want to play as Batman, you know, and like you play as Batman and you can get a Batman glider and like do your own thing. Matthew Mori in the comments says the problem is you're playing Fortnite. Shut up, Matt. (laughs) Matt and I, Matt and I grew up playing Halo together and, that's why I treat Fortnite like a first-person shooter, because it's like that's all I know. Um, but uh, Matt did not come onto Fortnite. You know, he's not on that Fortnite bus. That being said, this comic. First things first. How cool does that cover look? That cover looks cooler it, than it, it needs to be. Admittedly, admittedly, it does. I, 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 I saw the cover and I was like, oh, that's neat. Yeah. It didn't have to be that. It could have just been this cartoony bullshit cover like you get at a jack-in-the-box meal. Did you guys ever get that jack-in-the-box? There's there's a comic, a Marvel comic, that I got when I went to jack-in-the-box once, and it was just like a general Marvel Avengers-type comic, uh, I think drawn by Udon. You remember Udon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, I got like, so I have this Marvel comic from Jack in the Box that came with the Happy Meal. Well, not the Happy Meal, the Kids Meal. And, uh, this is a league's better, but basically the plot of this Batman Fortnite thing is there's like a rift in the sky. He, uh, a couple of Gotham City people get taken into the rift. He, they end up in a Fortnite scenario. He doesn't have any memory of who he is or what his relationships are 
He can't speak. He speaks in sign language because Batman knows sign language, obviously. But he can't. He remembers his skills, but he doesn't remember anything else. Catwoman appears. He knows he loves this woman, but there's a relationship, and he's like, "We fight in tangent with each other." And they like, there's this whole thing, and then they're fighting Fortnite characters until the round ends and the storm makes them disappear, and that's where the issue ends. And like. Like, Harley's there, Catwoman's there, there's probably other Gotham City people. But it seems to me, because they're doing this, like, memory-erasing thing, it's all technically in continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I don't know. That's, 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 that's been the interesting thing to me about, and I, I think that I, I honestly really respect about DC, is that if they're going to do, like, some kind of weird corporate tie-in comic that they are 100% willing to lean into it becoming canon in the main universe and not just being a yeah. weird elsewhere thing. It's like it's yeah. like why I love the DC uh, KFC comics where the colonel <laughs> is both an official member of the honorary member of the Green Lantern Corps and also there is a Colonel Sanders in each of the DC worlds that yeah. have various things, one of which, uh, as I, think I, I did a video and pointed out, is most disturbing, one of which is a chicken, which uh, has wild implications. Yes. Do they cook humans in that multiverse? In that universe? Right. Is, multiverse? It, is it is it still chicken? In which case, what is this weird class trader going on that he is just getting other chickens leading into their death? I I'd like to think in that universe, and I'm sorry for everybody out there, including YouTube, Kentucky Fried Caucasians. Could that be a thing in that universe? I mean, it would it would at least keep the. <laughs> Yeah. In a chicken it would, run universe, it, it, would, it, it, it would it would at least keep the like acronym the same, I guess. If we're, if we're going for universal yeah. consistency, universal consistency <laughs> and acronyms. I mean, the only other thing is if it's not race related, it's children. Yeah, and that's true. I don't know. That's, that's all encompassing know. human yeah. children. So uh, I don't I don't know if anyone has any better ideas. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, there's not much to talk about the, the about the Fortnite Batman Fortnite zero point other than okay, I can respect it. I can respect it, you know. Mm-hmm. Really, okay, Gil, you got you got hardcore shit you got to talk about. I literally have nothing. It's just <laughs> tell, like really, really. <laughs> I know, I know where none of us are the the target age group uh, for it's any just, of it's, this. It's just interesting to me because I feel like. For for the for the younger generations that like Fortnite has sort of supplanted what Lego was for us, where it's just like every franchise has is getting into Fortnite and has like Fortnite skins and like every time I see like oh this character is coming to Fortnite it's like really like it's like so it's just like the, the wide range of properties that you get like skins or special items and things. And like, again, like Marvel did it with the Avengers. You had Thanos for a while. It's like, it's, it's wild to me. They come and go. Do they, are they only available for a limited time? Uh, for the most part, they're limited time. Every so often they'll re-release them, but for a higher price point. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if you earn it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, great question, Gil. Um, (laughs) Here's the thing, though. There's stable of characters. I care nothing about the Fortnite character, the original characters, but, oh. like, they have, like, like Sarah Connor. They got the T-800. They got, like, Ripley, and I mm-hmm. think a Xenomorph, like, you could play as. They have, like, John Wick, 
and like every so often they'll have a special in-game limited time game where it'll like the function like the format of the game will change so there was one with like avengers infinity war and endgame where you one player plays as thanos and the rest of the players get given powers like the avengers and you got to defeat that one person and like thanos can like do a bunch of like crazy stuff and like uh lara croft yeah matt morey says lara croft is like a recent one um the walk like walking dead characters michonne and 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 uh uh uh, daryl you know, so like they're picking from like so many different things, depending on the theme of like the chapter that lasts like three months. Anyway, it's crazy out there. Uh, kids have it super lucky. Uh, it's Smitty uh, on one of our platforms. By the way, we are we are streaming to uh, four different platforms right now. Our main platform is volume.com slash the Keeg show. So if you guys want to want to join us there, you know, feel free. Uh, it is a free uh, platform. You can create a free account, uh, and then you can chat with us there. Um, oh, I feel like our... I need to do this, so... There we go. Um, what was I saying? Uh, but it's Smitty out there. I know... I see it, Smitty. You're on uh, one of our other platforms. Uh, he says, do you want to chug jug with me? And I do not know what that means, but I know he's not a troll because he does show up every so often. So I don't know what that means, but thank you for watching. Anyway, moving on. What have you guys read other uh, from from DC uh, this week? Uh, I, I read. Uh, I mean, I, I was really excited to read the uh, second issue of this Tom Taylor run of Nightwing. Uh, issue seventy nine was the one yeah, that came we out. We talked week. about this last uh, last month. How really Man. good that first issue was. It's, yeah, it's so good, and, and it's just like it's. It's really, I I have honestly been like, kind of respected. Like like I, I got a little bit of battle fatigue off of like Dark Knight's metal and just you know I, again oh, yeah. it's 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 the event fatigue that I think any especially like issue to issue comic reader kind of feels, but like I loved, uh, few I I I loved the the future event I and I loved I'm loving what Infinite mm. Frontier is kind of like showing and this kind of like change up of the status quo following like the Joker war with, with Batman of Bruce Wayne now basically being penniless. Uh, yeah. And now in Nightwing with Nightwing being a billionaire, thanks to <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, uh, Alfred dying and leaving him everything. Um, the thing is you'd think that if Bruce were penniless, Dick would Bought him some money. <laughs> you, you would He's think so, stubborn, but I think, though. Bruce I was is stubborn, say, I, right? Bruce would never. Bruce would never ask somebody to give him money. I don't think. I well, think. Can you spot like, me? I'll, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back Thursday. Yeah, you but, know I'm good for it. Dick Grayson would absolutely give his fortune away. Oh, and and, and that's what and that's what like we we're starting to see in mm. like the 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 crux the the the, the like, two big takeaways from this week's issue are that. Uh, Dick wants to be a philanthropist because he he is of the belief that putting that money towards helping the city that he is in is the best use for it. Like he, right. he like the the small way he ends up doing it is by buying a bunch of pizzas for various homeless families and stuff that are in need of food for the night, and ending up like putting up a father and son in like a nice hotel for a month so, yeah. to help the, them. The get three the three seasons the three seasons good old Bloodhaven. Um, yeah, uh, is that Frankie Valley 
or is it the it, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons? Right? Yeah, Four Seasons. Yeah, okay. fortunately, it's 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 one it's one shy of of Frankie Valley. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, but also yeah, just like seeing him like deciding like I want to use my money for good, uh, and then also the inter the 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 kind of dual introduction of uh, the new current mayor of Bloodhaven who very clearly has ties to Dick Grayson in his past. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, Zuka. her, yeah, her yeah. dad was the one what who killed great, his. What mm-hmm. a great concept to bring back that world of like the Zuko's and the Maroni's and what's mm-hmm. going yeah. on. There and like how tied in it is to, you know, Dick's past. Yeah. Um, I like it so much better than like trying to shoehorn in, you know, uh, a connection to the Court of Owls or something. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, yeah, I'm tired of Court of Owls. I am. I'm tired of the Court of Owls. They, 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 they were cool. They served their purpose. We can move on. Um, but they have to have a hand in everything. I know. Everything. And that's, that's like, and like, that's, that's like the one thing is like everyone since Scott Snyder has had to be like, and here's how the Court of Owls factor into this storyline. It's like they don't right. have to, though. You right. Can just, you could just keep them until you actually get a story where it's like it would make sense that yeah. the talent would show up or like I, I I've enjoyed that talent is now apparently a member of the suicide squad. Um, yeah. and, um, but like, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm loving Dick Grayson and like, I, I've, I've loved Dick Grayson in Bloodhaven because it's so Bloodhaven for Grayson is so very much like silver age Gotham for Batman, where it's mostly, it's like mostly crime families and the occasional meta villain. Um, yeah. And I just love bringing back Blockbuster as yeah. the bad guy. Like, so good. You know, I, I asked this in the comic book group a while ago of like, who is Marvel's version of Dick Grayson just as a character? And one of the characters that I brought up was Daredevil because I just, yeah, stories they can be very similar. Like at least when people want to be lighthearted with Matt Murdock. Right. Mm -hmm. And the idea of him having his own, um, Kingpin in blockbuster. Mm -hmm. I think suits Dick Grayson so well. I just think so much sense for him as a character. Yeah. We're all reading Nightwing, right? We all are. We should be. Hopefully we should be. Again, I, 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 I popped on to, I, I'm relatively recent to being a really, really big fan of Tom Taylor's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 it was honestly, it was his last year's run of Suicide Squad that really sold me, which was honest, not only what probably my favorite comic book series of last year, but very quickly made its way into one of my favorite comic book runs of all time. Um, and, and it's just a good way of... Like he has, he has a great way for writing these characters and for giving people individual voices, and especially in a good blending of lighthearted, of knowing how to like genuinely make me laugh at a comic, which is hard, um, but also have it not just come off as just like a like a reference or like a thing like that. It's like a a thing this character would say and do in this circumstance that is still true to yeah. the character. Um, is and it the yeah, same I'm, artist? Is that where I recognize the art from? Yes, it is. It is, it is still yeah. Nightwing is, is still mm-hmm, yeah. It, it's it's okay. uh, crud. I can't remember. I mean, I can look. Hold on. Uh, it's Bruno. Maybe it's on the cover. No, wait here. Uh, Bruno Redondo. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's I, I'm glad that they, and I'm also, like you said, I, I, I'm really fascinated in finding out what the deal with Heartbreaker is, and like, oh why, yeah, why is he running around stealing people's hearts? What's 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 going on here? I hate. I I feel. I don't. Yeah. Do you guys do you guys get this? Is it just me? I feel so bad for these characters. They're just ink and print. Like, like this dad. I just I get so sad when I like because uh, spoiler alert for this Nightwing comic is that like like this homeless uh, father and son that Dick helps. He offers to put them up at the Three Seasons Bloodhaven, which I wonder how good that place would be. The Bloodhaven Hotel. You know what I mean. I mean, uh, I mean, the thing the thing you kind of got to think about is that I think that it's very much because uh, I think a point that like Dick kind of makes in especially in this episode in this issue is yeah. that um, there there's the the like class disparity in Bloodhaven is huge, right? And yeah. that it's 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 because you know because again like even with when the his this most recent series of his started, it was it was you know it was like blockbuster building up like a casino like it's it's very much a like kind of atlantic city-esque yeah you know town um so i i think i would i would imagine that like a four seasons would be really and like overly nice um like i think i think i think where like if you you don't even want to look at the mini bar because you know that that'll cost you like more than you make in a month um Right, but yeah, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. I'm I'm interested. It's it it was a great villain introduction because it's like one page, and you just like you get you get kind of this idea that like he's been picking off what appears to be he appears to be hunting the homeless for their hearts, but um, full grown adults. But full grown adults, yeah, not not. But children are afraid of him because of just the fact that he is taking people. And like they're thinking like their their hearts were like yeah it's I'm I'm really interested in finding out like see, finding out more about like finding the why and like like getting to getting yeah. kind of also you know also just getting to see him because you really only see his shadowy outline and like the glowing of like a chess piece where presumably he does not have a heart right I I just I just I I feel sad there are certain characters and this happens a lot in comics and like whatever and I'm reading and like. You know, like in a carn in a carnage costume uh, comic, and somebody dies, and Carnage just <laughs> randomly kills someone. What were you gonna say, Gil? What did you say? I was, I was saying characters that are created just to die. Yeah, the, and, yeah, the, and the I'm poor. sad. I get so sad that dad, that homeless guy, just dies, and like, okay, his his son gets to run away and live another day, and that fucking sucks. And then the dad just gets his heart ripped out, and like, that's that. You know, yeah. you know. I, and I get it. I get it. I'm not saying not to do that. Yeah. I just get to it. Why do I get? Why do I get attached? Get really attached. Like, like yeah. why? Because uh, I don't know. Things were going yeah. well, and then like the dialogue is so good in that scene because the heart heartbreaker is that what his name is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heartbreaker is like he's like uh, he's like that's some good pizza or something like that. And then the home the the dad is like you want a slice? Like he's so nice, mm-hmm. and then he's like. And then he, you know, and he says, like, oh, for the kid to run away. And, like, I don't know. It's just too much. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Oh, it's super I, sad. I like it. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what, if any, connection there is between Heartbreaker and, and Zuko. And I don't I don't know if there is. And I, I, I don't I don't care if there is or not. I, I, I personally, 
I don't need every villain to be working with one another. I'm I'm right. fine yeah. with it being on two fronts of Dick having to eventually like go head to head with the daughter of his parents' killer being the mayor of Bloodhaven and definitely cracking down on his activity. Well, the thing uh, is, we're going to be going up against Blockbuster, and the question is yep. going to be, you know, what are, uh, what's her name? Zuko's, you know, real yeah. motivations. Is mm-hmm. she that guy like her mm-hmm. father was? Um, right. Is she, is she haunted by the things her father did? Like, that's what's going to be interesting in the end, is like, what does she really want in the face of what's going on with, you know, Blockbuster and all the other stuff in uh, yeah. Bloodhaven, right? Uh, by the way, really quick question before we we move on past Nightwing is that there is a there is a page where he talks about his past, and he talks about how there's his parents, and then his father, which is Bruce, and then he says his other father, which is Alfred. I've always thought that Alfred was like grandpa, but is it safe to say that like it's almost like Alfred and Bruce are husband and husband? I mean, I think it's it's definitely. In, in in terms of their responsibilities to the Bat Fam, yeah, I think it is. I think I think they're eventually there there is very much like the the business dad and the domestic dad. Um yeah. like uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that was I mean, look, I I got choked up at the end of issue seventy eight when Dick read the letter that Alfred wrote him and and, and like referring to him as his son. And I was like, uh, oh. I was like, Yeah, I, was, I guess like yeah, like there's no reason why the Bat family wouldn't think of Alfred as their dad, too. Like, uh, as like opposed especially, to Grandpa? But, like, but, well, but, like, especially Dick would would think, I think, would would specifically view Alfred as a father um, because he's been there the longest and everything. Like, Damien definitely sees Alfred as a, a grandfatherly figure, I think, but, or Saul, rather, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think it makes sense especially for Dick to view Alfred as a father figure. Gil, hmm. you got anything? I mean, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I yeah. think it's always going to depend on the story and, and what it matters for. I think, you know, and obviously like post new 52, everyone's ages were kind of scrunched down. Right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, commissioner Gordon became red haired again. Uh, yeah. even though he hadn't been forever in, you know, yeah. in all, continuity so they, I mean, they did they did uh they did an incontinuity write-off right in yeah. in batgirl or something recent where they were like oh yeah he 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 just went back to like dyeing his hair and now he doesn't dye his hair anymore they tried to like retcon essentially why this weird age discrepancy was it was like he was still old but he dyed his hair well, just why hair. does why does commissioner gordon need to be old like who who is that yeah for? it's you know yeah, yeah. the experience know. part Right, it's I the experience. Maybe I think at some point well, it, it was. It, 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 I think it's. We needed to have a reason for like that he had comforted Bruce mm-hmm. you know, after the death of his parents, right? Something, yeah. Like that. Uh, so it like made sense that he was twenty something years older. Um, but I don't know that that's necessary anymore. Like, no. Barbara's clearly somewhere around ten years younger than Bruce, twenty years mm-hmm. younger, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully young enough because I hate Bruce and Barbara. Get out of here! Like, yeah, like the the weird yeah. romantic things that like There's some no writer. And, no, but there it, isn't. Not not in yeah. this universe. Not, not for any sane person, you know. No, it's, yeah. Um, 
And, but I love, I love what DC is doing now with certain mainstream characters that have become side characters and other things mm-hmm. like so barbara is in her she has her own book now right there is a batgirl book uh actually that i do not know i uh, I, I think i i don't think she's what was had... the, book? Was the oracle thing i guess that was detective comics right i think i think that would i think that would have been in detective comics yeah yeah she, she returned to oracle. or whatever the new mm-hmm. version of that is mm-hmm. um whatever the anthology book is that, that they're putting out with batman there was oh, infinite uh, frontier number zero that touched yeah. on it, right? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, they touched on Infinite right. Frontier Zero and, uh, but she's, God, but just... she's a background character in Nightwing. She's a background character in Joker, which, by the way, Joker is kind of crazy good, surprisingly, and also not about Joker, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is awesome. Uh, but also Green Arrow. There's no current Green Arrow book, but he's a side character. I mean, obviously, Justice he's League. a member of the Justice League. And he's a he's a supporting character in Flash, which mm-hmm. is so good. It just works so well, and I like yeah. that for Oliver. I think that's yeah. a good space for Oliver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to move on to Justice League, uh, but before I do, I just I just prepped this image because I love this image in Nightwing. Uh, if you guys can see that splat that splash panel, that two page yeah. thing of Nightwing jumping down and, going and like the costumes, yeah. Which, by the way, also no, no, no. That that's uh, that's another page. This one's the one where he he was like, oh, the Zuko, the the guys, they're gonna shoot oh, the kids, yeah. and then like he he bounces, he bounces down, and you can see each thing. So this artist is just really good. He bounces mm-hmm. down and he lands on the bus, and then he comes in and he kind of swings, and then he just does a flying punch towards mm-hmm. the guys. I just love that. I just prep that. Just yeah, I've, I love I love Bruno Redondo's stuff. It's it's mm-hmm. really. It's it's very engaging to the eye, and it's very like I said. I, I loved I, I I loved the the whole opening spread of this issue of of the 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 page where he dives down, and you get to see the evolution of his costumes, yeah, uh, and then where he's reminiscing about his family, and you get to kind of see like a, a, everything kind of happen. Like yeah, he's Bruno Redondo does, does cool work in that sort of like structure a very panelized structure but he also i love his facial expressions he does he does really good facial expressions Mm. um what i love about this particular page is how much it's clearly hearkening back homaging old scott mcdaniel Mm -hmm. nightwing Mm -hmm. um i feel like this particular run you know he's been in bloodhaven lots of times before this run feels like it is in conversation with the chuck dixon scott mcdaniel run in a way that that the book hasn't been for a long time Mm -hmm. it's beautiful it is beautiful i just wow yeah i was really i was really impressed uh by that one um did you guys read justice league yes Mm -hmm. okay gil i'm gonna let you start off with justice league uh uh because i I got thoughts i got thoughts but one of the best Superman being written, right? Like just, yeah. just the the relationship between Superman and Batman. It's not hokey. It doesn't feel overdone, but it just feels like, yeah, this is a guy who really believes in the rehabilitating power of service, and mm-hmm. so he's going to say, "Yeah, Black Adam, if you're going to show me that you have a soul, I'm willing to listen." And 
I I am really enjoying this version of Justice League. I think Black Adam is really cool in it. Um, I like that we're learning a little bit more about Naomi. I don't mm-hmm. at this point care that much about the bad guy, but yeah, I'm willing to be yeah. taken this ride. Like it's uh, it's it's yeah, bad guy as polite and kind of like dumbfounded it is a fun take, and it's a particularly Bendisy take. But mm-hmm. like I don't mind here. Like it, it works. Yeah. For me, even though I don't really know the villain yet, uh, the introduction of Hippolyta and the relationship between Hippolyta and Black Adam that we know that Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning kind of fleshed out in the winter, whatever, winter, winter's bone, whatever that, that's, that <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I like that it's building off of that. Justice League feels like it's really, really in continuity right now. And by that, I'm, I'll be right back if you guys want to keep talking about it. Sure. Oh, yeah. By that I mean, I feel like it is playing with current continuity and making continuity matter right now. The fact that it's you know using all that winter stuff and uh, everything we already know about Black Adam and Superman, and you know, I just think it's a uh, and obviously everything that happened with Naomi. Clearly, that's Bendis's pet project, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I don't think it is either, and I think it's <clears throat> it's honestly interesting because it does give the justice league somewhere to go that they haven't been before. And the combination of traveling to a, a brand new locale, like read universe. Um, and with this new team setup that is, that is, that is being kind of built. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And I love, I really, I, I, I loved the bit. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was in this, in this newest issue where, after the Justice League rolls up on, uh, I think the like one of one of Bruce's attacks, and uh, Aquaman runs off to go like sign autographs. Uh, that was in the last issue. Oh yeah, we've been in the last issue, but it, just, just, the, just the moment of just, just the moment of him just like talking to fans and being like, "Yeah, no, Batman and Superman don't actually fight all that much. They're no, super best was, friends." Right. Yeah, and, and, and like someone's like, "Does he do the Batman does the voice all the time?" He's like, "Yeah, constantly. He always he always <laughs> does the voice." Um, it's just, it's just, it's just really interesting too to like, get to see, like you, you get the sense that like it, it dare, dare I say this, this run of Justice League and this combination of Justice League does feel like super friends because they're comfortable enough around each other to, to joke and make to, fun to, of to, to drop the, to drop the act with the exception of Batman, which he doesn't do because he's Batman. Um, but it's like it's like yeah they like to joke with each other like like of, of like and of like I I love the kind of dichotomy of Green Arrow both being the one to be like I think we need to bring different people onto the team so that we are making sure that we are covering all of our bases with needs of people being met that we are not currently as we are lined up dealing with. And then also being like, but not Black Adam. But not it's him. It's like, not it, him. Why him? It is, in fact, a crazy idea. Yeah. Black Adam onto the Justice League. It's a mm-hmm. crazy idea. And I love Green Arrow voicing, yeah. that, voicing that, too. And by the way, you know, I I often, I, I also love that version of the Justice League where they feel like they have a history together, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of yeah. the records that I always go back to who really does that well is Brad Meltzer, who we haven't yeah. seen in a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, obviously, he's got some controversy, and his plotting can, can sometimes be a little weak or hackneyed, but pound for pound, the best character work in comics. You know, mm-hmm. to make two characters feel like they've known each other for 20 years, 
Brad Meltzer really is able to do that super well. And I think that Bendis is tapping into that thing too. The thing mm-hmm. that I keep reading it for, and I haven't read a lot of Bendis Avengers, but the thing that I keep reading Justice League for is like, what is he bringing that is analogous to what he did with Avengers? And I would love to, I don't know, I'd, I'd love to see his stories get bigger and see what his yeah. version of Secret Invasion for the Justice League might be. And, 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 who knows like this this could be setting that up with with bringing into naomi's home planet and this i i I, the thing the thing that has me most interested is like i i enjoyed naomi enough i i thought i thought it was a a neat new concept and i thought it was a a cool kind of story to tell and but the thing that i love about bringing naomi onto the justice league beyond the notion of the you know the the new the newcomer being brought in to the big leagues to kind of help with this uh is the notion that, like you said, her 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 planet that she came from was at one point full, relatively, of super people, of 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 people with superpowers, and that on that Earth did there was no real checks and balances, and so it led to a massive war that wiped that decimated the planet and killed off basically every superhero, so that only the most bloodthirsty super villains survived. Uh, and the, the only way that even like a few, like what remaining heroes could survive was literally by jumping into a different dimension uh, to get away from that place. And so I, I feel like it's yeah. going to be an interesting, an interesting eye-opening thing for the justice league to kind of see what happens if they go unchecked and like what, what they can do to prevent the main DC prime world of falling into that same kind of fate. Yeah. Uh, two things, two things that I noticed about this is, uh, uh, well, no, I mean, a couple of things, but anyway, two things, uh, let's just say, uh, uh, first is somebody on TikTok, I forget who it was said that the justice league are legitimately friends. Mm-hmm. They're legitimately friends. And that the Avengers are work friends. They have mm-hmm. lives outside of work. That they have their best friends are outside, and they work together, and they're good. They're friends when they're there, and they, you know, they trust each other and whatever. But there's a different type of friendship that the Justice League have with each other than the Avengers have with each other. Are you guys? Do you guys agree with that, or are we of differing minds? I I would agree with that. Uh, that you know, we're we're the Fantastic Four, clearly family. Yeah. Uh, the X-Men at their best are family, you know, yeah. they have a connection that runs deeper than, than co-workers, right? Um, yeah. They're a community, right? The yeah. X-Men are like, are like these, these disenfranchised group communities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Of people who may not be related, but they might as well be family. Right. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, but it's, sorry. Con- yeah. No, but yeah, I, 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 w- I would say that, yeah, it's, it's, it's that thing of like, you know, yeah, a, a good a good Avengers book brings together an interesting team. Like, I think in recent years, people have been more interested in Avengers lineups that aren't just Cap, Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, Hawk, like the ones we've seen in in the movies. Right. That of, of right. getting to see because we already got them. Yeah, of, of getting to see oh. these these kind of new dynamics. Yeah. I, I, and I know that I know that a lot of it has also been like legacy heroes of. Of those, so it's like just similar enough that you'd be like, "Oh yeah, Thor is technically on the Avengers, but it is the Jane Foster Thor, right?" Um, 
but yeah, but it, it, at, at the end of the day, it, it is it is like typically them being brought together to stop some kind of giant threat. But it is not. It is not. It, yeah, the the friendship that you kind of get out of a good Justice League story, of because I think I think another thing about it too is that like you don't get a lot of Avengers comics that you really get to look at the moments between the crises where right. they're just hanging out and like spending time together because they like spending time together. Like it's, it's like, that's like, that's, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the uh, JLI run from, you know, the eighties into the nineties. Right. And the big reason why was because like that team was a, a bit of a misfit team, but like they were friends and like we're family and beyond just like being together because they're members of the justice league it's they're also do like over the course of the book like come to deeply care about one another and we get to see that downtime when they aren't rushing off to space or jumping into a fight where we, we get to see them a little more domestic and i think that's part of the thing that justice league does better more than the avengers if not inherently better than the avengers well, one of the things that I really like about Jason Aaron's current Avengers run is how Justice League-ish it feels. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe not in the sense of individual friendships, but certainly in a Morrison-y kind of like, we have our biggest guns all on the same team in a way that they haven't been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, uh, even during Bendis's run. Yeah. And we're are and we segueing all- into uh, Avengers right now? Sure. Are we well, gonna, like we yeah, have yeah. Like, all the most iconic Marvel characters on one team, and that mm-hmm. really just makes sense. And it's right. weird that they've never done it before. Like it's it's almost strange. Well, I guess he was on earlier in the run that Doctor Strange isn't there currently, and I know that Silver Surfer showed up at some point, but mm-hmm. you know, the idea that like oh those characters should be there, all the biggest guns at Marvel should be on the Avengers, and that's just a very dc way of thinking about it whereas Mm -hmm. you know marvel is known for having quicksilver and hawkeye and scarlet witch on the team who like you know i could give less of a shit about i (laughs) just want to see i want to see ghost rider and Mm -hmm. and blade and she hulk yeah uh here's the thing this is what i've always said about justice league and um and uh avengers the Avengers uh, comic came together in like the 60s. The Justice League comic came together literally 40s, right? So we got 20 years. And the DC comics came out of this sure. pulp era, you know, let's just say. Uh, what Justice League, no, Justice League didn't come out in the 40s. Well, Justice Society did. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There, there, was, there was the JSA. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, because the Justice League came out in the 60s with the Silver Age stuff. Yeah, you're right. right. So, anyway, the point being is, is that, like, um, a lot of DC heroes are pulp-based, detective-based. Like, there's DC has a ranking of best detectives. Marvel does not really. Like, sure. you know, they can try, but, like, whatever. They uh, So, DC has that. Uh, so, there's kind of a different in theme, but um, basically... All of DC's most popular heroes are their strongest heroes, and they all go on the Justice League. And it just right. so happens that that that's the way the case is. Now, Avengers used to be the most powerful heroes, but Marvel's most powerful heroes were not their most popular. Their most popular are like Wolverine, Spider-Man, X-Men, that sort of thing. Um, but like no, like 
in my opinion, and I'm sorry, but like nobody gave two shits about Iron Man, Thor, Captain America up until a certain point. Like right. it's, that's it's, why it's the movies were so movies. hard to make. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so like they were the staples, the big three of the Avengers, but who gives a shit? Like back then. Um, and like and sure Hawkeye and Black Widow were on the Avengers and they're not the world's heavy like hitters, but at the same time, like they're also characters that nobody like cared about, like Marvel wise, uh, until recently. And so like it's just weird that Avengers are like the mightiest, but they're not the most popular, and Justice League's mightiest are the most popular. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the way both sides balance uh, that is in the different. Same vein, you know, those DC characters were all created to be the same guy. Like they were all cookie cutter cutouts of the same, you know, square jawed. I do what's right and go out. Whereas the Avengers were created out of conflict. And, you know, it was yeah. always like, well, these are very different characters who all have very different agendas and you put them in the room and it's volatile. And that's part of what made the early Avengers so exciting and interesting. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, this friendship that the justice league formed, it's based kind of on the fact that there wasn't conflict, interpersonal conflict on that team initially. So now yeah. it comes out that, okay, now that feels like a friendship that's been around for 20 to 40 years or whatever. Um, and thankfully, those characters have developed personalities over the last 50 years. So right. you put Green Arrow in the room and he feels like the conscience of the team. Or you put Black Canary in the room and she has a very particular thing she adds to it as a, in addition to, you know, Hawkgirl and Batman and and mm-hmm. all of uh, and all of those things, you know. What's what's Black Canary's archetype? You think now, like nowadays? What do you guys think? I really think like yeah. if we're saying Green Arrow adds something to the group, what does Black Widow add personality wise? Black Canary. Uh, I really think Black, that, sorry, Black Canary. Yeah, Neil Simone really defined Black. Oh, Canary for sure. In all ways, you know, and mm-hmm. really made her. Um, I love her being a legacy character and knowing mm-hmm. that, like that. She has the the ear of like her mother and the the older generation of heroes and kind of being someone who trained with with Ted Grant and has a little bit of like extra knowledge to these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always- yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I, I I love I love her kind of being a bridge between the JSA and the JLA, um, and also I I think I I I love that. One thing that DC DC doesn't have, I think, I feel as clear a delineation as Marvel does between its like street level heroes and its like big right. cosmic heroes. Um, right. Because like at the end of the day, like for a lot of his time, <laughs> like Superman is in Metropolis. Like yeah, he fights crime in Metropolis, yeah. and like it's 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 Superman level threats, but it's still like but but like and like. You know, Black Black Canary is, by all accounts, a street level hero who happens yeah. to have an incredible meta power, but the meta power isn't even like, or or even like an espionage level hero. Like yes, the, the, yeah, the bad guys that you would see on Arrow, let's say, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like international terrorists, uh, espionage right. characters, and street yeah. thugs and street gangs. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and I think that that that's that's kind of like what she is bringing in, like in in. Through her, also, like, what Green Arrow is kind of, like, bringing into the two of them being with the Justice League is, yeah. you know, you have you have Superman, who is 
the strongest person like bar none. Like, that's like that's like that's like yeah. the thing um and 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 you know you have batman who is you know the world's greatest detective and you have flash the fastest man alive also super smart you have all these people who are like the most they are the superlatives they are like right all these people who are the the best the most of whatever they are and then you have green arrow and black canary who are neither arguably like the most or the best like at what they are what they do but because they deal way way more with day-to-day street level like interpersonal stuff that that's i think one of the interesting like dynamics that they bring to the table is keeping the justice league grounded and reminding them it's again like the 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 green the green arrow thing that i still i always think it will continue to echo down the line is the green lantern green arrow story from you know the stories from the 70s and 80s but specifically the one where green lantern how jordan gets called out on his racism about how he's just like he's way he's way more willing to fly off and help some aliens on a distant planet but not the people in his city yeah. uh and it's 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 like and i think like that's kind of like that like think globally act locally mentality that green arrow and, and black canary bring to the team that makes them very valuable to rem- be kind of there to remind there's this league like hey I know that we're fighting Darkseid. Now we have to go to yeah. Apocalypse to fight Darkseid. But don't forget about what's happening at home either. And, like, it's important to have a home to come back to. Yeah, you know, I think that's such a good point. And, you know, you saying that makes me feel like that might be the underlying theme of the DC Universe as a mm-hmm. concept mm-hmm. is just the idea of um, what is local versus global or like how do we maintain our humanity when we think about larger ideas like if we're fighting global warming which is really important and it's a planet level threat and i'm talking about here in our real world right, yeah yeah we can't forget about things like uh like police brutality and mm-hmm. things that are more local street level things that you know the universe is not going to fall on its axis uh, off its axis if we don't address it, but real people are suffering, so we better fucking right. address it, you know? Um, and I think that that is such a an interesting thing that I just realized is a big theme in the DC universe of, like, losing your humanity and making sure you retain your tie to um, whatever tethers you to this earth. I mean, that's, that's the entire yeah. reason Superman has a supporting cast, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of Lois Lane in the first place, is to remind this guy who can, you know, juggle planets that the reason he's doing it, the reason he's out there fighting Mongol on Warworld is because he's got a family at home, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is what this show is all about. Yeah. Creating these conversations, learning new things, talking shit over with people who are like, you know, can do that. Um, interestingly enough, <laughs> we're, we're like, there, there's a weird relationship between Justice League and Avengers. And so, like, I feel like we're hopping over. We're, like, comparing them, which is cool. Avengers deals with, uh, a lot with Blade in this in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it deals with... They're also with- setting up the next 
big event at Marvel, which of course is Heroes Reborn. Reborn. Uh man, I cannot How did it how did it set it up? Heroes Reborn. Well, uh I mean it's 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 more just in, in, in the focus of Blade because what we know of Heroes Reborn is oh. that that it's you know it, it's a it's a Marvel universe in which the Avengers were never formed. Uh so Tony Stark never became Iron Man Cap was never unfrozen because there weren't any Avengers to unfreeze him. And so the only heroes that we have are the Squadron Supreme and some like ancillary characters that have that kind of came about naturally that didn't that did that weren't dependent on the Avengers happening to become heroes. Right. Uh, and in and in this current in this new universe, Blade is the only character who remembers that something is amiss, that this is... Classic trope, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the Wolverine in House of M remembering yeah. that, that there is a world other than this one. It's, right. it's dining in yesterday's Enterprise, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Very important. Because um, otherwise, uh, you just live in that universe now. You right, know? yeah, why not, yeah. And, yeah, and I, what I, I'm interested in about it is that it's clearly going to be kind of a commentary on DC Comics as, yeah. as a story thing. So we're finally going to get what it feels to me like is, um, and this is just based on nothing but conjecture, but it's reminding <laughs> me a little bit of Busiek's uh, JLA Avengers, mm-hmm. where, you know, one thing, you know, it was, it was fun to see the smash em up of that book of like, you know, uh, let's see Superman and Captain America go at it or whatever, but the the deeper thing and the reason why that book still stands the test of time is that it's a commentary on both universes and mm-hmm. what makes those characters different and why does Superman work in the DC world but wouldn't work in the Marvel world. And I think we're going to see a story like that with the Squadron Supreme, who clearly are Justice League analogs. And I, I'm just uh, really excited to see it. I'm so excited to see what they do. And, you know, this is... 20 years after JLA Avengers like mm-hmm. what's changed has it been know? 20 years yeah holy what I also I also just love the Squadron Supreme uh and like I I I, I really liked the miniseries they got after uh the uh Secret Wars uh whole convergence uh a bit where they were basically like the Squadron Supreme of multiple universes that came together uh hmm. And like I, I, I just really enjoy these characters. And like, while yes, you know, they started off as literally just a riff on the Justice League. I, I think what's been done, especially with like, there's been more focus, I think, on on like Hyperion and uh, Nighthawk. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, more so than some of the others, but like, I really, and I'm just really excited to get to see this world where like they were the Avengers where like they, yeah, they had to like step in and become the defenders of this world. Um, it's like a couple of other, you know, heroes. JLA Avengers was 2004. So yeah. almost 20 years, almost 20, almost 20 years. years since that, book. that, that just, oh man, that starts making me think of like how many years has it been since I graduated high school, blah, yeah. blah. Uh, I'm not there yet. When we get to the anniversary, can we do an episode that is comparing JLA Avengers to Marvel versus DC? 
Oh, absolutely. Because I, I read them as a as prequels to each other, as a sequel mm-hmm. to each other. Oh, mm-hmm. I read, I read uh, you're talking about when that. in 2024 will we do that? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. Can yeah. we put that on the schedule? We'll, well, yeah. I mean, we'll probably do that before before 2024. Yeah, in I fact, that's just a good idea to just to do. You know, uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, uh, uh, what was I gonna say? What's up? I said, don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> yeah, I was like, 2024. Like, who knows? Um, who knows? <laughs> uh, uh, this is an interesting question I wanted to pose to you. In in uh, the Avengers uh, issue 45 that just came out, uh, you see what some of the characters are doing on their off time. Okay. Uh, you see Captain America just running laps. You see Captain Marvel uh, uh, benching or like not benching, but lifting. Uh, you see She-Hulk studying intergalactic law. You see Tony building stuff. You see Thor drinking, so on and so forth. But I really want to focus on the working, the working out people. What, what were you? What would you say, Gil? I just said it was a really fun, silly sequence. So what yeah. they did in that sequence was everyone is like breaking records, and they keep telling the computer to delete the records and it seems like it comes from a place of like well clearly we're superhumans we're not allowed to like hold hold those records which i think is a fun uh explanation of things right but it's also so they say delete the records but then they tell the computer to play whatever music or sounds they need to motivate them so like oh okay so, you know, like uh, Carol Danvers goes, you know, play me the sounds of an F-15 jet. And um, and I think uh, Tony Stark goes, play me the disappointed size of my father. Yeah. <laughs> Cap was 40s jazz, I think. It was 40s, yeah, something. Was it 40s something? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't notice that part. I noticed the, the breaking of records part. Um just an interesting side question. It really has nothing to do with the plot either. Um, Captain America is running laps in his suit, in his Captain America suit, his uniform, you know, whatever. And then Carol, uh, Captain Marvel, is lifting in her suit. Why don't they have workout gear? Th- that's the first question. Who, who would work out in their suit versus workout gear? Second thing, would their workout gear just be regular normies like civilian gear or would it have like the avengers insignia on it and their logo on it like who would do all that you get what i'm saying i think we see that in various times and places (laughs) yeah right do that really well right yeah like well here's what they're wearing on their off time and it's always sort of vaguely colored like their uniform right Mm -hmm. Uh, right they do a generally good job of that and you know it just depends on the movies have to do that yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, the movies have to do that because, like, you can change you. You can't just have Captain America wearing his Captain America suit while they're having that party in Age of Ultron. Like, it's not the same, Who's and it's just him? you know, yeah, well, yeah, he could. But <laughs> would Captain America? What would Captain America work uh, wear when working out? I mean, I, I think again, it's that thing where it's like I feel like it's a simple enough thing of just like you know, plain white undershirt, like. Maybe, maybe, maybe like yeah. you know, something something comfortable to obviously let him move, um, right? You know, you, you you think you know like if if anyone's gonna have the branding, it's it's gonna be Tony Stark. It's probably gonna be right. some some kind of Stark brand, you know, Under Armour kind of thing. Right. 
I just don't think Captain America would would have his Avengers logo workout gear or his star, like a star on his workout gear. I don't think he would do that. You know what I mean? It was just that side thought. Sure. Yeah, I guess not. You know? And who would, yeah, who would fund it? Stark would probably create a whole line of workout gear that Steve would say, ah, I already got my gear. Like, it's all right. I wear sweats or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, that was just a side thing that I wanted to, uh, uh, to, to, to bring up. Um, uh, what other Marvel comics did you guys read this time around? Cause this is where I tap out. Uh, I think uh, I stopped with, uh, with, uh, I read Avengers. Three X-Men books this week. Oh, I love X-Men and it sucks. I can't talk about it right now, but, but, uh, yeah, Justin, yeah, yeah. did you, did you read the X-Men? Uh, the, the the, the the main one I read was uh, Way of X, which I okay. interesting, right? Let, let, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about Way of X then. Let's talk about Way of X. Well, it, um, it's yeah. the, the the thing. The thing that I, again I've really been ever since House and Powers of X really kind of blew the doors down of setting up this new status quo of mutantdom in the Marvel universe. It's it's really been interesting seeing the kind of the team of writers that they have doing the different X books, exploring the different facets of this brave new world of mutantdom. And the thing that I really, it, it there, there were, I think there were like questions that I didn't realize I had until I read way of X. And I was like, Oh yeah. What would the implications of a post death society be? Because like, yeah, it, it it's like you, you are definitely like, Nightcrawler is a beautiful audience surrogate in that not only is he like a much beloved character, but like, you know, he, he is a man of faith and, you know, to, you know, what, what, what does it mean to have faith in a, in a, in a world where death doesn't really exist and people are yeah. always going to come back and just like, yeah, just like the, the sharing in the horror of watching Pixie just run up and taking a shotgun to the face just for the thrill of it just to say that she's done it is like like skydiving or like like that's like, like that's what death has become and like the introduction of like that aspect of like that cultural shift with you know the mutants who have gone through it and also the introduction yeah. of uh the crucible uh as being a really interesting that's the apocalypse battle right mm-hmm. that apocalypse used yes. to run or though haven't we? we we've seen uh that, the Crucible? That yeah. That, that thing? Yeah, we've seen it before. Um, yeah, I completely agree. And what a, like, a, a scary idea. Um, I know it's, it's, like, one of those things that Jason Wayne Christian talks about, right? Like, why he doesn't particularly like this run. And if anyone doesn't know, Jason Wayne Christian is, is uh, also in our com- uh, comic book Facebook group. Uh, oh, okay. really, really smart dude. Uh, he's, you know, knows a ton about comics. Um, but he, his issue with this particular run is like, is that no one has called out how insane the, the resurrection protocols are yet and how that those clearly are not the original characters. Those mm-hmm. are clones of the original characters and that nobody's talking about it. And like, he's like, I feel crazy because no one is saying it. <laughs> and like, either that means that what's his face, um, that Hickman hasn't thought of it or he has thought of it and doesn't care like just because mm-hmm. it hasn't been addressed yet so it's interesting uh, that we're yeah and like and like, and like that yeah. and like that's 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 why like i'm i'm glad that there was like room enough 
for basically, you know, an event to happen within this run of X-Men and X-Books to kind of like stretch your legs and get used to the new paradigms. Yes. And now we can start questioning it and like looking deeper at the implications of yeah yeah what 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 does it mean to live in a, w- a world where if you die you will come back and if if you are coming back is it is the the you that dies is not the one who comes back because like I said when when, when Pixie is killed she comes back and there's like two fundamental things. One, they have to show her video of her death because she doesn't remember it because her memory is time-stamped before she died. Is it time-stamped uh, stamped right before? No, it's, 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 it's an earlier it's an earlier uh, thing because of the way that the resurrection process now works with Professor X implanting a, a mental snapshot, essentially, of... Right whoever is being cloned to come back. Right. But it does not include because I think in part because he's not there with them when it happens, uh-huh. but also because of just the trauma of, I think, yeah, I think he, he, he moves that from, he, he used an earlier one so that yeah. no one comes back knowing the trauma of feeling having died. Even right. If they That's so have like, in its own way. yeah. It is, well, yeah. and, and like, and like, and, and like, that's what, like, the thing is, like, and I'm, and I'm loving about this is that we're, we're starting to kind of pull at some of the loose threads, uh, like how a, a point that was made early on, I think, in House of X, near, near the end of the miniseries before we got into the new round of X books, but of the fact that none of the precognitive mutants were brought back. They're not allowed. They're yeah. not allowed because they don't want anyone to see what their actual plan is. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I'm loving that we're having to put Nightcrawler through a, like several levels of a crisis of faith, both how he is reckoning with it as somebody who believes and is a Christian and who believes in a Christian God, but also somebody who has faith in professor X and everything. And like the, the, you know, the episode ends with him running into Legion and Legion kind of being like, hey, don't you think it's weird the way that some of this is going down on Krakoa and that why isn't, why aren't there precognitives? Why is people running around but blindfold ended up offing herself and it hasn't been brought back yet? Oh, shit. I didn't know. When yeah, did that, blindfold die? Uh, she, she, she died pre-house, uh, I want to say, I think, I think pre- Oh, house in, um pre-age of x because it was like yeah. yeah it was it was that mm-hmm. uh or during age of x or yeah. whatever yeah uh okay i remember that yeah um and so and so and so and so like yeah like it's it's i i am i'm very excited for where this book is gonna go and especially also like again like asking this question of like what's the deal with the patchwork man like what is why is like who is who is, who are they and like why do they seemingly only really show up right after a mutant is reborn uh who, who does uh so they they, they address there, there's this there's a boogeyman on Krakoa that some of the like younger mutants have taught have taken to take calling the patchwork man right almost like and, a man kind of fact. yeah and he apparently he, he he is able to like manipulate you into doing things without you remembering it uh and like professor x is worried about that because yeah while That's he definitely like, sensed, uh, well, it, it was, it was, 
I don't know if it's way of X. It was it was, it's I think it was it's introduced in in this issue and like you get oh, to okay. see kind of like brief flashes of them, uh, but nothing solid yet as like who or what they are, um, okay. and and like but yeah like it, it's it's just this again it, it, it's sort of like ever since the formation of the island nation of Krakoa, there's just kind of been this building tension of waiting for another shoe to drop. Yeah. And Way of X seems to be leading towards that next shoe. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh I love I love what's going on and uh uh my my ph- philosophical reasoning of their resurrection protocols is that as long as there isn't two of you out there and your memories are being brought back to at least close enough to when you died, then you're the same person for the most part. That being said, there was that recent X-Men issue where, where Cinch or Sink, Sink. I don't know, is it Sink? Sink? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, and and, and Laura and Darwin. And fell in love with yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Wolverine. But by the way, uh, they just announced the new lineup for X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's yeah. Sink and Wolverine are going to be on there. So clearly mm-hmm. that that uh, the, the that storyline is going to continue, which I think is really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, lo- what I was going to say is Sink when he got brought back is the same Sink, and the own and but Laura br- being brought back is not the same Laura because her however many hundreds of years of experience that change your personality is now you're brought back to like an alternate you. Like an all uh, a previous you that can then will then split into an alternate you. She will not be the same Laura that had come to pass over like five hundred years or however long they were in the in that world or whatever. And so that's the only thing I can think of right now. But I know that there's going to be another shoe that that drops. I know it's really weird what's going on right now. Uh, 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 especially the way everybody they're dealing with relationships. It's very. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I have my own thoughts about that. Nothing bad. You mean but, that it's uh, uh, very explicit that that the summers are in a threesome with uh, yep. Wolverine. Yep. The yeah. summer. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. I do not. Yeah, I think that Scott and Wolverine are sharing Gene. I don't think that Scott and Wolverine are doing each other. That's my personal thought. I think the only reason that they aren't is because Marvel doesn't want to go all the way to... Bisexual Scott and Logan? Yeah, like like Polyfield, yeah. I think that if if they were a braver company, they would just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think that Emma Frost is only with Scott and not with anyone else. That's my own personal headcanon of Emma Frost. Probably. You know? Um, cause Emma, Emma's an interesting character. Uh, mm-hmm. I know certain people recently are hating on Emma on TikTok. You don't think she and uh, Mr. Sinister are getting it in? No, they hate each other. Yeah, that's why I think they are. Yeah. I think Mr. Sinister may be in love with Emma, but I don't think Emma's like, Mr. Sinister is also weird too. Like, is I've, he? I've, is I've he... loved, I've loved, Mr. Sinister has been one of my favorite parts of these new X-Books just just them getting to write him as this a fun like tongue-in-cheek mustache twirling villain uh 
yeah. that he that he's always kind of been, but he's not even taking himself seriously about anything that's going on, and it's right. kind of great to watch. Right. Also, Mr. Sinister isn't a mutant, right? Like, no. technically, he's he, not, he was, right? He was a mutate, kind yeah. of. It's, 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 it's complicated, because he right. was he was sort of turned into a mutant a bit by Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, but then through his own experimentation on himself, and the the hard thing, the the, the the basic way I I look at it as Nathaniel yeah. Essex was not a mutant. Yeah. Mister Sinister that is there today is a mutant because he is the X removed clone. Of Nathaniel Essex that has been duped in with the X gene. Okay. Uh, so I, that, that's like the reason I could see of why. And also, I think he's also just there because, again, it's very useful to have him around as he is he's, definitely yeah. the foremost geneticist when it comes to working with the X gene. Right. Um, on a separate note, I think Mr. Sinister is either Pan, he's either Pan or he's Ace. I don't think there's a middle ground for him. Mm-hmm. I, he could be a flamboyant asexual character, and he knows how to push people's buttons. Or he's super pan, and he's he's flamboyant as well. Like he's very interesting. Clearly, just having the most fun of it. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's he's very much enjoying himself, and that's that is a reason why I'm always happy whenever he is in an issue. Is just because like people like so many like so much of the X Men is just now being concerned about maintaining their status quo and trying to rescue whatever leftover mutants didn't make it through a Krakoa gate yet or taking out like Orcus and these other like organizations that are trying to wipe them out or shut them down. And he's just having fun. He's just, he's yeah. just so thrilled at everything. that's it, it, It's kind of the way I felt about um, in, in way of X uh, y- you really got a good head on talk with Dr. Nemesis and who, mm. it, who to me has gone full Krieger from Archer uh, who is just like there are no rules, there are no limits, uh, there are no like is morality Nemesis, breaks. Is he a mutant? I can't. Yes. I don't remember. He and he's he just is, smart. Yeah, he is. He is uh, arguably one of the smartest people on Earth. Um, and and like you said, I, I just love that he 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 has decided to use this break from morality that the X Men have given themselves by being like, yeah, we can't die anymore. So what does anything mean? Um, by like, like he shows like he's augmented his own DNA to grow hallucinogenic mushrooms instead of hair. Um, because he can, this is a Grant Morrison book. It's, it's very, it's super Grant Morrison. And it's, it's beautiful because he's just like, he's just like, I hate, like there's a whole spread page that made me laugh in this issue where right after he kind of comes into frame and Nightcrawler inadvertently attacks him, uh, and he reveals that he's replaced his hair with mushrooms uh, that there's just like a spread where it's like, here's the uh, the like X Men, the Krakoan like science like like department, uh, yeah, and here's like him. it's all him, it's all him, and he just like has like a footnote to it about how much he hates Mister Sinister. He's like, you don't have, he's like, you don't you don't get to take a monopoly on like working in like X genetics. Like I can do this too. Yeah, I'm just icked out by mushrooms growing out of your head. Like, I'm very icked out right now. Oh, it looks uh, wild. There's it's, body horror in it. It's fun. Yeah. You know, if yeah, uh, Mortal Hulk, you'll like that. Oh, yeah. My my scalp is itching right now, and I don't... <laughs> I'm feeling it. It's growing. Um, um, 
uh, uh, really quick as we as we close up this episode, uh, uh, I know we started late, and so that's why I tried to you know give it a little bit more time, but at the, the same episode. time, <laughs> yeah, I mean we just gotta you know we gotta we gotta call it a night at some point. Comics forever. <laughs> I mean that's what that's what ends up happening. I wish. Which is, I mean, this is, this show has been a good outlet for like uh, uh, being able to to talk about this uh, again, like being able to 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 meet you guys and like and get to know you guys and like be able to share this stuff has been really cool. TikTok has been, really opened myself up to that. The under, the LA Underground Comic uh, Network uh, that that I met Gil through. Uh, has been really good for that. It's like being able to like talk about this because there's people out there, especially when like we were all younger, you know, we're out there and uh, we don't know who around us are into comics. You can go to the comic shop, but if you don't like the comic shop or don't like the people there, you don't have a community. And mm. uh, uh, there are female fans that don't feel comfortable going to a comic shop and they don't have a community then either, you know? And so uh, I'm hoping with the Keegan stuff, like we can we can start fostering that community. Matt Mori uh, picked up the new issue of Marvel, uh, the Alien run. Mm-hmm. The new Alien uh, comic. Uh, I did read that. I read the second issue today. Oh, I didn't um, read the second. I read the first one. I liked it. Wow, uh, it is really good. And is it is it uh, Salvador Larocca uh, doing the art on that? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I uh, again, those are those are one of those the another comic where I'm like, I hate when people die. It's not just like when people die, but it's when you like sympathize with them and then suddenly out of nowhere their head explodes. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Lovely. You should know what an alien comic not. I know. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't get too attached to anybody. I'm not hating on it. It's just my heart, guys. I got <laughs> a big heart. My mom used to tell me that when I used to cry at every movie when I was a kid. She was like, Now you know the movie's good. It's made you cry. Also, you have a huge you have a huge heart. Uh and then now she's just like, uh, what are you doing, dude? Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Matt Mori says that happens a lot in Alien. People die without warning. I get it. I know what yeah. I'm in for. It is what it is. Uh. But really quick before we do get going, uh. Uh. I'm gonna go one by one and tell me if there are any other issues of something that you read this week. Hopefully, I have the. Uh, if I have the image, I'll bring up the image and give me like a like a a, a sentence or two or three sure. uh, of what you thought about it. And then go to your next one, and then we can kind of get through just kind of some like closing thoughts. Uh, Gil, I'll let you go first. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Jenica just finished its um, five issue miniseries, which was really, really good. Uh, I just love everything IDW is doing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right now. Um, you know, I, I was I, I was telling Justin uh, just before we got on. It's just um, such a great kitchen sink book. Like it reminds me a lot of Strangers in Paradise or even Love and Rockets where it's just like, it feels very indie in a smart way. Like clearly there was a big event that happened a couple of years ago that I completely missed uh, about the gene bomb and whatever happened there. And now it's just a story about the turtles trying to build a community in mutant town and trying to deal with all of these uh humans who are now mutants and the mm-hmm. the introduction of Jenica has been so smart and and this last issue was literally about Jenica forming a band 
It was an entire, yeah. you know, 30 pages about Jenica having to, f- to form a band in order to save the future. Like, she has to uh, form a rock band. And yeah. every one of the characters that they chose for it, it felt almost like, you know, what's going on with Hickman on Krakoa, right? Like, like every character that they go to to join this band has their own very particular history with the Turtles, and it was so fascinating and smart and well done and the dialogue is so naturalistic and the art is just so because they're just human animals hybrids there's no cheesecake there's no beefcake it feels very (laughs) much like it feels fun in a way that not all comics do I'm, I'm a huge fan of what's going on with turtles right now that was one really long run-on sentence, Gil, but I'll take it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Matt Mori in the comments does ask, he he was obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid. Uh, he loved the old cartoons and whatnot. Where does he get started with the comics? Gil, since you're in the chat, would you type out your stuff to him as I hear from Justin on what yeah. his thing is? And so we can, like, we can alternate between Gil and Justin, Gil and Justin, yeah. uh, uh, until we get rapid-fire shit off. <laughs> uh, Justin, yeah, what do you I got? Mean- uh, I mean, an, an, another book that came out this week uh, that I've I've been enjoying. And I'm really interested in seeing where it goes because it's it's a new book uh, from Image that is very much still kind of the setup phase, uh, but it's Radiant Black, mm. um, which is essentially uh, a guy who is trying to make a go of it as a writer is forced to move back into with his parents, and one night while drunkenly. Uh, kind of reminiscing with a with an old school friend he comes across this miniature black hole and by it, it, it kind of like merges with him and then gives him a super suit kind of like a power ranger like a super sentai su- uh, suit um and it's him kind of figuring out how it works what he can do with it and what he should do with it uh, especially after he figure finds out that there are other people who have different colored and uh, different powered suits uh, and what they're choosing to do with it versus him. Um, but uh, it's it's been a real interesting kind of setting up the world, but I, I, I really enjoyed that one this yeah. week. I, I read the issue, the first issue of that, and uh, I thought it was good. I need to catch up. How mm-hmm. many issues are there? Uh, currently only three, so you're, you're, not, okay. you're not super far behind. Okay, because uh, what we get a lot is like people like Matt, let's just say, asking questions. Uh, uh, but we get people in the comments being like, "Where do they start? Where do they go?" And like, like image comics tend to be like, if you're not like, if you don't necessarily want to jump into Marvel or DC, or you do, but you want something that's not Marvel or DC and bogged down by all this continuity, image has a lot of comics that literally start and they end, and mm-hmm. that is. Is, it is what it is. Even Invincible lasted 144 issues, and there's nothing more in that universe that we see. I mean, other than there's some side comics and stuff. But what I mean is, it's over. Yeah. Like it's done. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's a so Radiant story. Black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Radiant Black. Okay. Okay. Uh, part of the reason I buy trade paperbacks is I hope to one day be like, like have a system for people being like, hey, uh, where do I get started? I'm like, take this. You check it out. It's like a library. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh. Awesome. Uh, Gil, you got another one? Um, I'm really loving, like I said, I'm loving Nightwing. I'm loving uh, Justice League, which, you know, is really big for me to say after, you know, you saw how much I really disliked Future State, especially for those books. Um, uh, 
you know, I think I'm, I really like Captain Marvel right now. And I'm going to say that having not particularly enjoyed the last arc where she travels to the future, the plot of it was just very rote. It seemed, uh, you know, I saw the ending coming a mile away. But all of the inner life of Carol Danvers is very, very strong. And uh, it's being written very, very well. And right now... Carol is starting a relationship with Doctor Strange, but it kind of feels like maybe it's on the oh, rebound yeah. and might, maybe it might not be the healthiest relationship. So um, I would check that out too. Yeah. Um, something interesting that I like, except there are reasons you shouldn't like it, but whatever. I like when artists or writers write a character that looks a specific way that is different, for example. So if they said like, character X has a big nose and like that's just like they're just a human with a big nose or this character X is like Wolverine Wolverine's height and stature is very Wolverine that's very specific to Wolverine and yeah. sets him apart character design from other things but I remember mm -hmm. Bendis's new Avengers line I think it's new Avengers where they keep talking about Captain Marvel being thick mm -hmm. like it's just like a weird thing that I'm like yeah. okay I like that idea that like from now on, like, just draw her as, like, a, a thick, curvaceous lady, which I don't think has has continued on. Uh, but, like, these little things, you know? If somebody, if a character has big ears, like, their character has big ears. Because, you know, you could draw Peter Parker so many different ways. Nobody's ever settled down on, like, Peter Parker has the mole on his face. Like, right. they've never settled on that, you know? Uh, Mary Jane sometimes has a mole, right? Does she have sometimes have a beauty mark? I, I can't remember. Sometimes. Uh, I know no, she has dimples, right? Is that when, what she has? Uh, J. Scott Campbell draws her. She has a, a, a beauty mark, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like those type of things. So anyway, sorry, that's what, just what it what it reminded me of. Also, it, it just reminds me, of, me that... Like Power Girl, right? Like Power Girl it has the exact same thing where mm -hmm. because of the boob window, um, it ended up becoming its own joke. We're like, well, why would she have a boob window? Well, clearly she has a lot of cleavage to show, you know? So yeah. that became part of her yeah. kind of look for a long time. Mm. Right, right. Um, anyway, by the way, we got third place in the hourly contest, which is awesome, from hey, 10 to 11. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so, you know, that's cool. Um, we did it. Uh, uh, Justin, do you have any closing thoughts about any other comics that you read this week? Uh, yes. Another one I actually really uh, enjoyed is the uh, Mighty Valkyries the um oh okay yeah the, the, that one just kicked off uh this week and it's it's really interesting especially following where king and black kind of like it, it's not oh ended but like what it meant for jane foster as valkyrie and being able to find the original valkyrie uh who is now uh as of course being drawn to look uh much like movie mcu uh valkyrie um really they retconned her appearance well or it's, it's 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 she found she found character. yeah it's, it's a different character but she she, she managed she, she went you know for ever since jane foster became took the mantle of valkyrie she was working kind of under the impression that she was the last valkyrie but then she found another one who is oh. ostensibly the mcu valkyrie okay. uh locked away in, in this in this body like the body of the celestial um oh. and so and the new warriors valkyrie um, the the new warriors Valkyrie uh, is also out there and exists and mm -hmm. was part of the Curse of the Valkyries 
uh, series that happened during King and Black. Mm-hmm. And the oh. artwork, I like, I was just super impressed by the art in this issue of Valkyrie. Oh yeah, it's real like, good. Um, and 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 I'm like, it, it, the interesting, the cool thing about what this series seems to be kind of setting itself up with is that each story, each issue is going to have at least like two distinct stories uh, in it that will follow one of these Valkyries. And this one, it is Jane Foster uh, basically kind of being conscripted by Loki because there is uh, this giant wolf that's trying to chase him and is like hurting people. Uh, and she, he needs Jane's help to handling that, but also, uh, the like B the B story of it is this is essentially MCU Valkyrie uh trying to find what happened to her past because she doesn't really have any memory of where she came from or much. Like she knows she, she knows that she is a Valkyrie, but she doesn't know her own name. Okay. Um and so she's kind of hunting planet to planet trying to find like she goes to see like a seer on this one planet to try and like get kind of at the heart of the answer she's trying to find and okay uh yeah it, it's 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 a really it's really it's a really fun comic and yeah the art in the jane foster story is just a plus it's just it's really no, really it's, good uh, okay. it's ridiculously good art it's um mm-hmm. almost shocking yeah and the the quality of it it's really something special I just read, I just finished the Thor, the, I got up to date with the Thor one yeah, with the, Donald Blake. Did you guys read that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that one was cool. How yeah. did you feel about that ending? Uh, I don't know what it means, like, for the future. That, that spoiler alert, that Donald Blake is now the, the god of lies. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with a lot of, you know, actual Norse mythology. But mythology? That, you know, that is Loki's punishment, is that yeah. he ends up being uh, in hell, uh, being tortured by having venom dripped into his eyes for all eternity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what does this mean for Donald Blake? The, the the fact that Donald Blake actually exists now is kind of a weird thing. It's like its own... Yeah. Thing. Almost mm-hmm. like, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know enough about the old... Golem myth, golem myth, golem myth, where you create a create what they get created from clay. Is right. that mm-hmm. uh, is that kind of Donald Blake in that sense? And they're infused with a almost. Is there there's an absence of a soul, or is there is a soul? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. That's a really interesting parallel to draw. Um, no, there's not supposed to be a soul in a golem. Uh, golem, okay. you know, is supposed to just be kind of a an animated lump of clay um yeah is donald blake that then its job is just to protect so is donald oh, okay. Blake that maybe in a sense a golem that's come to life but so many like you know westernized americanized golem myths take place in a world where the golem um you know either goes crazy or becomes abusive or whatever whatever right like like leaves the control of its master, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or yeah. it's kind of a a monkey's paw kind of idea, right? Like, be careful what you wished for. You know, that becomes a little bit like the the Frank Frankensteining of the golem myth, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, so maybe there's yeah. Something. 
Uh, that's yeah. You brought up Frankenstein. I was thinking like a homunculus type thing. Um, okay, interesting. Um, these are all great things. Ah, ah. They're like, why can't we just just talk about this forever? Um, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Gil. Yeah, thank you, Justin, uh, for coming on the show. Uh, this week had a lot of good comics, and I'm just gonna just because I prepped these images, I'm gonna show for a couple seconds each a little bit of everything that came out and i don't even have all of it but there were a lot of really good comics that came out this week or at least comics that i'm gonna be reading um in the meantime uh uh gil do you want to do any plugs any uh oh, shout outs i know you do so so <laughs> yeah, t- tell me tell me what you got oh man i'm putting the link in the chat um yeah so we have on may 8th we have the next episode of Pop Cultured, the comedy-themed game show, is going to be on Rush Ticks, as always, starring uh, Nikki Urban, starring Jimmy Pardo hosting that show. Uh, our contestants this month are Colton Dunn from Superstore and Jade Catapretta from The uh, the Soup on E! And uh, our returning champ, as always, or at least at least the last couple months, uh, Miss Kristen Studdard who you know is super, super hilarious. So make sure you get those tickets right now in Mediamente. Um, the other show, we are starting a new show, if you can believe oh. it. At, what? At, okay. Yeah, at Nowhere Comedy Club. If you can imagine me having even another show, we have Alonzo Bowden, who you know from Last Comic Standing, and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on, uh, on NPR. Uh, he is going to be hosting a show called Call to the Couch, which is a show where stand-ups are going to be doing their sets and then coming over to the couch to talk to Alonzo about whatever they want to talk about. It's going to be a chat show and a stand-up show. It's going to be crazy fun. Uh, it's it's The event is up on Nowhere Comedy right now. Um, so please grab those tickets. Grab those tickety tickets, please. I feel, I feel like as you add more shows, Gil, I'm going to have to add a show for the Keeg, that's just you plugging your shows. <laughs> like, that's just going to be its own show. If we you know? And I'll do it if we can get it. the views. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, okay, awesome. And uh, as anyone can see there, uh, Gil's social media is right there. I don't know if you said your social media out loud. Oh, yeah, sure, uh, the goal is to turn this into a podcast as well, and I can take the audio and put this in a podcast so people won't be able to see it, but know that Gil is up there at GJ Barron. Um you know, uh, you can find him there. GJ Barron on everything. Uh, Justin, what do you got coming up? What are your social media stuff? Uh, 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 plugs, you know, hi mom, whatever you got. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I I mean, I think, uh, I I am most active and and most seen perceived, uh, on TikTok. Uh, I'm at moose underscore zero on there. Uh, if you enjoy this sort of hyper nerdy discussions about comic books and things like that and you know metaphors and and, and themes throughout comics then i think you'll you'll probably enjoy my stuff i do a lot of character deep dives uh i do you know recommendations i i i I love talking about comics so you can find me on there uh i'm also at twitter i'm at moo underscore so like the noise a cow makes and sewing a needle um and uh, I, I that that is mostly just me like retweeting some of my favorite comic creators and stuff like that. So, you know, if 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 you if you want to find out about news news about comics about the same time I do, follow me on there. All right, all right, uh, uh, Gil, uh, Justin, you 
who uh, you two uh, were awesome guests, and uh, you obviously know your shit, which is great because uh, uh, I, I need to be able to, to bounce ideas off <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, make shit happen. Uh, it's really, uh, I'm really thankful to have you two on the show. And um, um, we are expanding the guest list a little bit as far as the show is concerned, but I would love to have you guys back real soon uh, uh, to come in and, and talk about this, uh, all this stuff. Um, for those of you who are out there, thank you so much for, for being an awesome audience. I know we got, uh, Aries out there. We've got Matt Mori out there. Uh, uh, we had some other people earlier. Uh, we are, uh, streaming to four different platforms right now, but our main platform, our, uh, 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 uh our boo, so to speak, you know, is uh, volume.com, which is a new streaming platform that is focused towards performers, artists, singers, musicians, so on and so forth. So, uh, we have a wonderful, uh, home here on volume.com uh, at volume.com slash the Keeg show. Uh, but we are all over social media. So uh, if you are on, on Instagram, you can find us at the Keeg show. If you're on TikTok at the Keeg show, um, uh, who knows? We're looking into creating a discord, you know, and, 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 you know, uh, for comic fans and, and Keeg fans alike. So, that's also cool. We're looking forward to that. We're again, we're all over the place. So find us either at the Keeg or the Keeg Show. Type it in wherever you're at, and you can most likely find us. Uh, yeah. Once again, thank you to the audience. Thank you, Gil. Thank you, Justin, for coming on the show. Thank you. Once again, I'm your host, Demetra Pereira, and this has been Comic Talk. Peace out, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>